Hey, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Naked and Inside Out. It's Janine Toro here. We're an LGBT podcast highlighting people in the community doing some incredible things with their lives and careers. And we're here to share these stories with you as a source of inspiration. Today, I'm thrilled to introduce to you Yurgos Vadouris. Did I get it right? <laughs> you did. That was excellent. <laughs> so I found you on Twitter through Outpost Supply Co., which is a unisex apparel company that gives 50% of their profits to uh, the LGBT youth, which I thought was really great, which we'll dig deeper into. But today's episode, I want to start with a quote from an article from a website called Kick-Ass Canadians. <laughs> As an American, I thought that was pretty incredible. I'm like, wow, there's a website that features awesome Canadians doing awesome things. Yeah, and they even give us a pin. So I'm pretty proud of that one. Oh, that's awesome. You have a pin? Yeah, I have got a Kick-Ass Canadian pin. Oh, my God, that's pretty <laughs> sweet. <laughs> So uh, this is the quote that you um, had said on the site, which I really felt uh, hit close to home. Sometimes leadership is just showing up and being yourself. If you're being yourself in an environment that doesn't support who you are, that's an act of greatness. So welcome to the show. I'm really excited to have you. Um, I would love for you to talk a little bit more about this and sort of, you know, give our listeners a little bit of background on you. Sure. So I was talking in relation to a nonprofit I started called Acts of Greatness. And uh, what we do is we offer community awards to queer kids around the world who are doing awesome stuff. And, uh, you know, that is a pretty broad category. It could be someone who volunteers in their school. Maybe they're out and about in the community. And another part I always add to it in reference to kind of that quote is maybe you're just being your authentic self in, in an environment that you know, you might stand out in or that people uh, don't have a lot of stories that are being told like yours. And for me, I think that's incredible. And it's one of the things that uh, when I witness uh, within our queer community and I see it happen, I'm always really excited by it and very proud of those, uh, those folks, especially youth. You know, if you are someone who identifies as, you know, different than those around you or or kind of the traditional stories we hear, if you are, you know, showing up every day and still staying true to how you want to express your identity um, or your sexuality, that to me is incredible. And I, I don't know if I'll ever stop being in awe of that. So is there a reason um, why you specifically targeted LGBTQ youth? Yeah, it's, it's my community. So I suppose there, you know, there's that component to it. I've always been pretty open about the fact that I think my experience as like, uh, you know, a cisgendered gay male, or at least how I would have defined myself growing up was pretty straightforward. You know, there's tons of different coming out stories. And I think, you know, I'm 30. So I hear, you know, the stories from my day were still not necessarily as readily available. And uh, I grew up in a small town. So kind of those traditional ideas of, though it's not uh, the most welcoming place. You won't find people in your tribe. But I was always really cool with being the gay kid. You know? yeah. <laughs> it wasn't something I questioned within myself. I was like, oh, you are attracted to men. That's cool. What are you going to eat for dinner? Like that kind of thing. <laughs> and it was a non, it wasn't really eventful. <laughs> so when, um, when did you know? I, oh, I always hesitate to put like a age to it because I, I wonder oh is that true or am I just trying to like make it up yeah but I feel when I was in and around 10 to 12 years old like at that age when you start 
recognizing your attraction to others. I remember having a dream once and I, it was like, I remember feeling attraction in that dream and that attraction was to a male. And from there it was like, okay, I guess this is what you like. So kind of go from that point forward. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, well, for me, that's so interesting because I think a part of the reason the podcast originated was because when I was, you know, young, I didn't really feel like I had sort of anyone to relate to. And I probably say this a lot on the podcast, but when I see people, you know, creating organizations or just being involved and doing things for the youth today, I think it's something so powerful and something that I wish I had. Yeah, I I mean, I certainly think that's where some of it draws from for me. And also, I try to thought about or think about ways that I could be an ally to other members of our community. And I mean, I want to correct myself because I, I, I like when people question whether or not you're allowed to call yourself an ally. Like it's usually something that other people call you. You don't call one yourself. But uh, because I felt comfortable in my skin as, uh, you know, part of the LGBT community and, you know, because I've lived an okay life and I'm um, lucky to have a privilege when it comes to like a job and all of that kind of stuff, I wanted to give back. And I, I wanted to give back to, I think, people now who are having a little bit more attention drawn on them and, you know, throughout the LGBT community and think, you know, just because my experience has been comfortable and um, I haven't found it to be the stress of my life, uh, but others clearly are. So what can I do to help? Which is great because it's funny. I feel like me and you had the complete opposite experience. <laughs> like like you knew, like you, you were just comfortable in your own skin. And for me, it just wasn't that black or white, I guess. And it was a really confusing time for me. And now looking back on it, I'm always like, you know, how would my life be if I would have like just known earlier, which I mean, I can't really think like that, but it's, it's just this interesting way. Like, I feel like everyone has become such, so much more evolved, right? Like young people, especially millennials, which it's funny because we technically fall into the millennial category, which I personally wouldn't really say I identify with, you know, most millennial qualities, but it's amazing to me. So many people that I meet that are probably between 20 and 25 years old, most open-minded, don't care about anything, respectful. Like I could have a conversation about girls with straight people and I never really felt comfortable doing that or Mm -hmm. I didn't feel like they understood or related. So do you think maybe like, you know, since you didn't really have that experience, have you received positive feedback that people maybe that have struggled, you know, that, that they're really, you know, grateful for what you've created or it's helping them or anything like that? Yeah, I've been lucky to hear some really great stories of encouragement and, you know, people who definitely want to be a part of the community I'm hoping to build and, um, you know, any way that's possible, whether or not they're a youth who receives one of the awards that we give out through Acts of Greatness, or maybe they're someone who buys a shirt from the store, or even if they just like say a nice thing on Instagram, like that to me is, uh, I love just the stories going back and forth and being connected to one another. I think that's where a lot of it draws from too. You know, when I look back at figuring out my own identity, I was always really comfortable with my sexuality. But I wasn't really around gay people, 
you know, the gay people I was around were on TV, like six feet under. And, you know, those were the ones who I connected with, but I didn't have any friends in real life. I, I didn't know of any. And I, I think it was still a time and a generation where even though I was really comfortable with other kids who later came out as gay in high school or university weren't out at the time when we were there together. Um, so that made it tricky. So I think some of what I do is if I'm, you know, if it's okay to say it out loud is also a little bit self-serving. I want to be around these queer kids. I think they're so amazing. Hmm. And one way of doing that is, you know, connecting them through these groups that I've started. And, you know, it's not so much about me as, as much as it's what can I do for them? And um, if I just create the platform and create a resource, then they can take on and do whatever they want with it. <laughs> yeah. So like, how did this all happen? And like, how did you get the word out and, like even with acts of greatness with um outpost maybe you could talk a little bit more about outpost supply co and how that sort of evolved and i don't know just kind of more of like a background of how it started or how more so of like how you got the audience like how did you reach them and engage them yeah so acts of greatness started i think it's just over 3 years now and it was pretty straightforward so i was reading a local university newspaper here in calgary and they talked about the lack of scholarships that were available specifically for LGBTQ high schoolers going on to post-secondary. And so they were talking about it in Calgary and Alberta, as well as Canada in general. And I thought, well, that's really interesting. Is there a need for this? And also, can I be the one to you know put money together and create a scholarship? So that year, after I read the article, I think it was in the fall, and uh, by December, I started kind of brainstorming acts of greatness and putting it together. And then suddenly in January, we were offering two scholarships across Calgary uh, to queer kids who were going on, like I said, from high school to university. And now it's evolved into more than that. So we've removed the barrier of higher education because, you know, some members of our community uh, a, can't afford to go to school, or um, maybe, you know, they are struggling with their identity, and that's a big barrier for them to move forward right away. So now we call them community awards, okay. and there's no education or financial need requirement. It's more about tell us what you do out and about in the community, how you give back, how you live your story, and uh, how you identify and celebrate your identity. And uh, here's a, you know, a small amount of money to say, keep going and encourage others to do the same. So it, it all felt really organic and it all came together pretty easily. And I thought, you know, if I launch it and, uh, you know, no one hears or no one's interested and it just kind of fades away, then I'll keep it to myself. <laughs> be like, you know, just a secret little thing I tried out. No one needs to know. Uh, but suddenly, uh, once we started kind of launching the website and going on to social, people responded really well to what we were doing. And that was the encouragement I needed to keep on going. And this is so what's amazing to me is that you do all this on the side. So this isn't your full time job. So you have a lot of uh, passion projects that you're working on. Uh, how do you how do you balance the time? And I don't know, like. Like for me, even with the podcast, right? Like I have a full-time job as well. I work in design and it's, it's something I'm very, the podcast is something I'm very passionate about. And it's kind of like weighing out, you know, is this something I pursue full-time? Is this something, you know, that I'm doing on the side? And, you know, do these things cross your mind? Oh, all the time. I, um, 
no doubt if I dedicated, you know, eight hours in a day to these like passion projects, they would accelerate at a much greater rate. And I, you know, I think that's something that um, makes me nervous to take that on and to think of it as a full-time job if I don't have the, you know, to fall back on what I do in my day-to-day. So, you know, I can be so bold and to say I was so confident in my, like, sexual identity, but that confidence doesn't exist in all parts of my life. (laughs) Um, So I, uh, yeah, you kind of go back and forth, and I I think the risk of trying to do this full-time is something that genuinely intimidates me, but would probably make me so damn happy uh, so, uh, when you look at kind of where you want to spend your time, maybe that's something I need to focus on a little. So one of the other things that I really liked about acts of greatness is the manifesto. First, I was like, well, first of all, it's designed super cool. And I love the illustrations, you know, the designer yeah. in me. Um, so it caught my eye, but it's really great. Like these little things like being and believing are the heart of life. Live as you are like these super like aspirational messages, I almost saw them as like patches or something that I could collect and put on a, um, you know, like a jacket or something, right? Little buttons. <laughs> exactly. Little buttons. Exactly. <laughs> How, you know, manifestos are so important, right? Because it's like your mission. But I guess the manifesto, when you created these uh, aspirational messages, was it something these were like goals that you had in mind that you put forth with the company? Did Was it as you went that you learned like, oh, yes you know, I'm learning this, so I'm adding this to the manifesto. I think it's definitely evolved with time. And there have been friends and, you know, people who I know in in my day-to-day life and others who I've only known online who I think have helped get us there. And certainly it was just being open to the stories that we were hearing. Uh, So when uh, queer youth would write to us and they would talk about what they're proud of, then it was kind of picking up the pieces and then saying like, okay, this is something that not only you should be proud of, but this is, you know, something we can all aspire to as well. So I I had, I knew that storytelling was really important to me Mm -hmm. when I got started. I knew that I didn't want to be sort of the face of this work. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something I struggle with because I see it more as a, a place to propel other people. Yes. Um, but in the end, someone has to be there to tell the stories and someone has to put it together. So there's a little bit of a negotiation that I try to do. And certainly it was just a lot of people being very generous with their time and responding well to what I was trying to do. And I think from that, we were able to tap into some really great ideas. So it's certainly not all me. I wish it was. I wish I could take credit for that. (laughs) Um, But it is 100% not just my own vision. I mean, I think that's great, though. It's collaborative. I mean, that's how it should be. Or you're listening to people and you're shaping it based on the needs, right? So, Oh, it's so true. And I... I find, in, especially with online communities, and that I find really interesting is we don't really know one another. You don't know what someone's intent is and you haven't met. But when you reach out to them on Twitter or Instagram or you email them, the response has always been incredible. And that I'm blown away by. I, I totally I, agree. Yeah, people always talk about how impersonal things are with kind of new advances in technology and certainly with social media. For me, it's been the complete opposite. I think there has been more personalization that has happened. I feel my understanding of myself and others has increased significantly as a result of these tools that are now available to me. 
Well, it's incredible to the support through social media. I find that even if it's silly, but even if someone like retweets something for the podcast, it just gets me so excited because I'm like, wow, someone else is seeing what I'm doing or they're seeing my vision and they're seeing that I'm like trying to put a good cause or, or help a good cause. Right. And just so many connections that you make, or at least even for me through the pod, like, hello, we met through Twitter for the yeah. podcast. Um, <laughs> It's just so incredible how, I guess maybe we're like like-minded in this way that we're willing to help each other out or help people in the community. But I think it's so powerful. And it's certainly, I don't know if I want to say it's generational, but there's a, my gut tells me it is to share. Yeah. Okay with sharing. You know, I want to, we talked about passion projects and there's another one that I want to get started in the next couple of months. So like a pop-up kind of queer movie night uh, that I want to see happen in Toronto. Uh, And we, someone was doing it here in Calgary, these two guys, and they blew me away with what they were doing. And I loved it so much. And when I thought about taking it to Toronto, I just asked them, you know, can you share information with me? And no holds barred. It was like, yes, here's what we did. Here's how we did it. Here's what we would do again. Here's the things that we would fix. And, you know, within that, 15 minute conversation is a world of knowledge for exactly. me. Exactly. And sorry, I'm so passionate about this because it's something that just sharing a little bit of knowledge from your experiences that may help someone out a hundred times more than you'll ever know, right? And it's like, I feel like if people are more open minded and more adaptive to this, like the world would be a better place. How cheesy that sounds. It, it's true, though. I, we, are more successful when we help one another. I think that goes both ways. So, you know, you've interviewed Brooklyn from Boy Society. Yes. Like there's a community that opens their doors to others and tries to share their platform in, I think, really authentic ways. And that that's really meaningful. And it also sets a tone for how we're going to treat one another within our community. And then especially when we're working with people outside of it as well. So I I think there's a little bit of a positive standard that we can all set with one another. Yeah. And it it really, I really feel like in little increments, it would make such a difference because I see it all the time. And I'm just like, I can't believe someone I don't even know that I've never met in real life is willing to like help me out because they, they, they understand my vision, right? Or they see my goals. Right. And help. I mean, if it doesn't work out for that person, then that's fine. But I wouldn't want to be the barrier that stops that from happening. Agree. You know, it, uh, that's how I see it. We're on the same page. Yeah. <laughs> good people doing good stuff, right? We can, is this self-congratulation? Cheers to us. Yeah. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about, you know, the community in Canada and Calgary um, specifically. Is there a gay community how, you know, how is it compared to maybe, are you originally from there? No. So I grew up in Ontario. I grew up in a town of about just a few thousand people. So a smaller, a smaller town, but I moved out to Calgary about 10 years ago. So, you know, for all intents and purposes, I call myself a Calgarian. I don't wear a cowboy hat. (laughs) It does put a smile on my face. Yesterday I was taking, it was the most Calgary moment. I was walking the dog along the river and there was a guy like, well, I should, not a guy. He was a cowboy uh, laying under a tree, like just taking in the sun and napping. And I thought, this is such a Calgary moment to me. (laughs) Perfection. You know, I'm just outside of the stampede grounds and here's a guy in cowboy boots, cowboy hat, big belt in like, you know, old school jeans laying in the sun. This is like perfect. (laughs) (laughs) 
So is there a big uh, LGBTQ community? There is in a different way. So one thing to always acknowledge with Canada, and I think especially in relation to folks in the States, is largely speaking, Canadians have had our rights earlier when it comes to LGBTQ rights. And at least, you know, for myself, and I think it's important to say, like speaking as someone who is a gay male, who, you know, we've largely gotten most of the attention over the years. And thankfully, that is shifting now to other members of our community who need it more. But if you're thinking of like a gay male in Canada, we've had protected rights, we've had voice, we have had platforms to which to speak from for a while now. And so there's a large community, and it's a large community, though, that I don't think needs to necessarily, they, they're not out and about. So when I think of Calgary, you know, there's no queer spaces necessarily, and there's no community, like a gay village, none of that kind of stuff. There's uh, two gay bars, there's a few um, random events that take place, but there's not this large, thriving queer community that you might expect from a city of mm-hmm. over a million. And I always wonder if that was just based on need. Like, you know, at some point we stopped needing those places and they disappeared. And they used to be here. They used to exist in the city, you know, 10, 15, even 20 years ago. But now, for whatever reason, queer community members don't feel the need for them. Uh, and I, I'm not sure why, why that is. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, it's a, I, for me, it's, a, it's a, a change that I wish we could go back to a time when we had more dedicated spaces and we had all of those things. And I don't know where that comes from for me. Maybe it's just my own selfishness with wanting to be around awesome queer people all the time. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, maybe that's what it is. And I have to recognize that the need just might not be there and that's why it doesn't exist. Uh, but I would love to have those spaces, um, to have places that are, you know, unashamedly queer in how they talk about themselves and how they present themselves. Like, I hope I don't want those places to only exist online. Yeah. I would love to have them in person too. Well, that's what you're trying to achieve with your pop-up movie night, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, why not? Let's get together and take over a movie theater for a night once a month and um, just have a gay old time. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, you know, it's funny that you actually say that because I live in New York and you know, there is a very large gay community. You know, there's pride, you know, that, that, you know, huge, like 10 hour, you know, parade. I'm not even kidding. Like when I went to pride for the first time, which was only like two years ago, I couldn't believe like how long it actually goes on for. It's actually pretty crazy. Yeah. Those, the parade doesn't stop. I was in San Francisco or I was at San Francisco's pride maybe two to three years ago now. And I, we kind of skipped out halfway through the parade. I know because I was like, oh my God, there's so many gay people. Like it's incredible. (laughs) I was like, let's just move to the park and hang out. Exactly. It was like so It was so exciting, right? That there were so many people, but it was like, oh my, you were almost overwhelmed. Like, I think those events are wonderful, but, and I don't know who talks about it and I I wish I could remember, but they speak about, you know, well, let's have pride events that take place throughout the course of the year. Let's not just exactly celebration. And I suppose that's where I want us to go to again, to move past this, like, well, this is the one event that we have and it's our time to shine to instead think about the micro celebrations or whatever you want to call them that can take place more often. Exactly. And I, and I think that the funny thing about New York is I feel like it's very male dominated, which is fine, 
But I also feel like a lot of like gay girls are also like hiding and they don't hang out at gay bars or there's not like gay meetups. I mean, there are, right? There are a lot of different meetups because I'm in New York, right? There's, I could do many things all the time. And even like I interviewed the founder of the Her app, which essentially is like an app to create more of a community for women that are gay identified. And it's great because what they do is they pull any events or meetups that are going on in your area and you can like basically like sign up for them. So it makes it so easy to be like, oh, hey, is there any events going on tonight? I don't know, that I may be interested in. Instead of, say, looking at Eventbrite or meetup.com, it's just super curated in that way, which I think is really great. It's just interesting. I feel like sometimes there's also like tension in the com- our own community, right? I don't know if you experience that where like, I just feel like we sh- we all need to come together instead of being like, well, this is a, you know, only member. This is an only, you know, whatever, like just lesbians or just trans or bi, whatever it is. It's like, can't we just all be human and sort of hang out and get to know right. each other and learn about each other? Or, you know, those things are okay if they exist equally. Exactly. So exactly. The only bars that exist in the queer community are only specifically for gay men, then yeah, that does become a problem. And I, it's, it's conversations I've had. So uh, a lot, and these are conversations that I always find really challenging, especially when we talk about being, being there for one another and supporting one another. So if we just stick with kind of that idea of the LGBTQ community, then does a gay man know more or, you know, feel compelled to support a trans person exactly any more than another member of society like these are questions i'm hearing all the time especially from gay men because i i think it does go back to this idea that gay men have you know dominated this community for a while and you know i don't want that to sound like it's a negative i'm not too sure what i think about that Mm -hmm. or what the impacts are it's more i think it's just important to recognize it in the first place that yes, this has happened. This has existed. When people talk about LGBTQ rights, usually they're talking, especially a few years ago, about gay rights and gay male rights. They weren't thinking about non-binary members. They weren't thinking about folks who are genderqueer. And certainly they weren't thinking about trans or bisexuals. Like the list can go on and on. There is a specific person who we thought of that we would support when we said that. And now I I do think there's a little bit of a conflict within the community where, uh, you know, some folks are stepping up to the table and saying, all right, I feel that I have, you know, a great amount of my freedoms that I've been fighting for and my rights, but there are other members of my community who don't. So how the hell do I get my ass out there and help them and be a support to them in whatever way they want? Whereas other people are just saying, well, you know, what do you expect me to do? I don't know much about your life or how you identify any more than someone else. So I'm just going to take a step back. Yeah. And that, you know, that's tough. I think that's very real. And uh, I'm curious to see what the impacts are going to be, you know, five years from now on how we communicate to one another and whether or not this idea of a queer LGBTQ community will still exist as, as I know it. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean, because I feel like I have this conversation all the time, and it's a lot with heterosexual people. And I feel like it's weird. I talked about this recently, but it's almost as if the labels help us, but they also 
work against us in some ways. Right. Like in some ways they bring us together and we form, you know, we have that relatability and we have that support from our community. And then in some ways I find that, I don't know, like at the end of the day, we're just human beings, right? We're all just people. It doesn't matter if I'm gay. It doesn't matter if I'm straight. It doesn't matter if I'm bi. It doesn't matter if I'm trans. It matters if I'm, if I'm a good person. Yes. Yeah, but you know, don't be a jerk. Yeah, exactly. Um, like a general rule of thumb for all people. And and I think it becomes this thing for people that don't understand and it further it almost frustrates them instead of them just being like open-minded. Like they're like, you know, how many names are there for like LGBT people and this and that and blah blah, blah. and I'm like, but they don't even they're not even coming from a bad place. It's just they don't understand it. And, like, the way I try to explain it to people, like, or, you know, I'm like, listen, we're all just people, you know? Like, it doesn't matter how I identify. It doesn't matter how you identify. Like, who cares? If you're happy and I'm happy with our own lives, it doesn't matter. But not a lot of people have that perspective. A lot of people, you know, just kind of want to resist, you know, like, this is something that's been going on for years that we just never knew about. Oh, so true. I think now it's coming I think it came out, and this is, I'm saying this more as an outsider. I thought I saw the conversation happening a lot when you guys down south, so like, um, you know, Americans were talking about same sex marriage mm-hmm. as being the most important civil rights, you know, moment to happen in, you know, decades. And that I, that was really interesting because I thought that's when the community, the queer community really started to say, wait a minute. Um, there are other people within this community who can't even, you know, don't have a safe enough environment to even get to the altar, um, mm-hmm. that they don't have jobs, that they don't have um, health care, that they don't have all of these other things to even get them to the stage where they could get married. And, you know, we're trying to sell the fact that this is the most important civil rights component of our community. Like that was fascinating to watch, you know, and to hear the different sides of those stories. Yeah. At the end of the day, we just all need to not judge each other and just come together. And we're just, we're all human beings. We're imperfect people. Just, you know, like really, it's like, I just feel like people, and I like that I see it more now, the open-mindedness of people and it's evolving. And I think me being somewhat of a voice in that also may frustrate people sometimes, but at the end of the day, like that's how I feel. And I, and I feel like the world will be a better place if more people really we're just more mindful. Uh, That's such a great way to put it. Like, let's just be mindful of each other. Let's be mindful of each other's needs and of each other's stories. Uh, And if that's all you're doing, then you're probably way ahead of the game already. Exactly. So we could talk all day long. (laughs) This isn't going great. You mean this isn't what we're doing? I thought this was going to be like a 24-hour special. Could you imagine? That would actually be a... We could see who could out-talk who, right? (laughs) I feel... And if there is a 24-hour podcast that I would listen to where you're interviewing someone, I think it should be Jeffrey Marsh. Like, get them back on the podcast um, because they're just so positive and there's such a ease to what they're saying that I can listen to that for 24 hours. I don't know if I would sign up to listen to myself, though. So, <laughs> in terms of subscribers and your like future, start with them. Don't start with me on that trial. <laughs> Jeffrey was incredible. Yeah. You know, it was funny because in that interview, I, I, I couldn't believe I was sitting right there next to them. It's amazing that someone can radiate... 
I want to call it joy over a vine. Yes. Because it's so quick. It's so fast. (laughs) How do you bucket that up? Like, how does Jeffrey teach others to do that? I mean, obviously you can't. Like, you know, this is something that's unique to them. And Jeffrey is incredible as a result of it. I loved listening to Jeffrey talk about uh, kind of, I don't want to say their favorite vine, but when they spoke about uh, dressing up as the Statue of Liberty. Yes. Because that is the one where I always think of too. Like, yeah, that is a moment of pure joy. And I totally understand why everyone wants more and more as a result. Because yeah, so it's so creative. It's yes. so out of the box. It's so inspiring. It's so fresh and new and exciting. And it's like, why would you? I, I, I was joking. I'm like, I need a little one of you on my shoulder, like just repeating. I mean, that's the great thing about Vine. It will just keep repeating itself. And I, I'm like, wow, I feel great. It's like my daily words of inf- inspiration, right? Yeah. And I get excited about it. And when we talk about the queer spaces and the identity, what I love about it too is I think it's so unabashedly queer to do something like that. And, you know, that that's what brings me joy. And it's always this kind of struggle when we come back to it. So do we want the labels? Do we want separate spaces? Do we want people to define us just based on this one thing? And the answer is no. But at the same time, when a moment like that happens and I in my eyes, I see it as being so queer. I'm like, yes, more of that. Yes. Because it's so, it's so inspiring. It's so exciting. Like it's such, I don't know. It's, I keep, I always say this too, but it's a great time to be alive. I feel like it's just, I feel like there's so much hope for change and just coming together. And I'm just really excited to see what's going to happen. I agree. So before we close, do you want to talk maybe a little bit more about Outpost? Do you want to talk about maybe where you see yourself like in the next five years, something else? Sure. I mean, when it comes to Outpost, it's as a result of acts of greatness. So in the stories that I started to hear in the conversations I'd have with queer youth, one thing that became apparent is there's a lot of amazing artists and, uh, you know, just really creative people within this community. And a slow brainstorm happened where I thought, well, what if they created designs that represented different parts of our community or spoke to them. And uh, we put it on apparel and then sold it. And 15% of the profits go back to those youth. And then 50% goes into our scholarship program for, you know, LGBTQ youth through acts of greatness. So it was really just kind of putting those pieces together and saying, you know, is there another way that we can engage with this community and um, represent ourselves and be proud of what we're putting out there in the world. And from there, as easy as it sounds, that's where Outpost came from. And it's, you know, that one is really exciting because you're selling t-shirts and sweaters and all of this kind of stuff. And um, some of them have what I would call like secretly queer designs. So our most popular item is probably the cupcake design. So it's, <laughs> it's a cupcake. That, that's or, everyone's favorite. That's yeah. what I laugh because when I was showing people the site, not to interrupt you, but when I was showing people the site, they're like, oh my God, that cupcake hoodie. <laughs> Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, I get I wear it all the time because I'm, you know, just wear the same sweater and like sweatpants every day. I'm worse. <laughs> no, you um, don't. And uh, <laughs> everyone always compliments me on it. They're like, oh, I love your sweater. And I just say, yeah, you know, they're cupcakes. Everyone loves cupcakes. And um, then I'll be able to tell them too, like, hey, all of the different icings are um, colored in various queer flags. 
And so there's a, a chance to tell them a little bit more about our community. And so if someone sees it, they would never, unless you're a part of the community, you would probably never recognize that. But I love it because people who are in the community, you know, they know they're like, hey, hey, that's the asexual uh, flag colors or, you know, that's the bisexual ones. And that puts a smile on my face. So something that's a little bit more, again, it's kind of like that secretly queer, whereas others, it's you know, there's a t-shirt that says never binary on it, yep. um, which has a very kind of specific idea and a specific audience. So what I find most rewarding about it is when people, you know, they get uh, the apparel they bought and then they start posting pictures of themselves in it. Like that's incredible. Yeah. Uh, that puts such a smile on my face and I feel so fortunate to be a part of it. You know, every time I get a link or excuse me, uh, Instagram kind of notification that someone tagged us in a phone, uh, in a photo, I sort of like jump up for joy. I'm like, Oh, who's wearing what? Where are they? I know, as I'm sm- I have a huge grin on my face right now. <laughs> no, because it's so amazing. It's like, you know, you're making these, you know, it's, it's apparel, right? You're making just something that we wear every day, unique, to these individuals, right? Like you're saying, like, for example, the more directive type of clothing might appeal to one audience where the more kind of like beneath the deeper meaning, kind of like the cupcake ones would be, you know, more for someone that's maybe more reserved. So you're hitting kind of the whole spectrum. Yes, exactly. And the best part about this is, you know, anyone who is a member of our community or wants to support um, can come up with their own design. And we can put it up in the store. So if they want a different representation, if they want a group um, to be represented differently um, than what we have now, then that's open, right? Like it, it's not just one person saying, here are the designs we're putting out there and here's the statements we want to say. Um, one of our uh, designs is my gender is whatever. Yeah. And that came from uh, someone who, Jenna, uh, they're based in Edmonton. And uh, they sent me an email and said, hey, you know what? This is a statement that means a lot to me and that I've been saying for a while. Would you ever think about putting it on a T-shirt? It was like, yeah, because if you think that, I bet you other people do. Exactly. And other folks have. And then seeing them, you know, kind of wear it in different parts of the world, like, that's incredible. Again, I, you know, when you talk about what a wonderful time to be alive you know, it might not be easy for everyone. And I recognize the struggles that we're all facing. Exactly. But there is the sense of hope that I think pervades in everything we do. Exactly. So on that note, I think it's the perfect time to close. Thank you so much for coming on. This has been really great. Thank you for having me. I appreciate what you're doing here. And, uh, I love this kind of collective storytelling. So, you know, thank you for putting this out into the world and uh, for us audience members to take part. So much love in this room right now. We're not even together. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, together would just be like giving each other the evil eye. Yes. (laughs) Throwing things at each other. No, kidding. (laughs) No, but but in all serious, thank you. That, That means a lot to me. So is there anywhere, I'm going to obviously post all of your links when we do post your episode, but is there anywhere where you want to kind of just shout out right now that people can follow you or get in touch with you? Yeah, it's um, everywhere on social. It's either Acts of Greatness or it's at Outpost Supply Co. 
the one thing I'll say right now is we do have our community awards open uh, until the middle of June. So if you are a queer youth, um, head over to the Acts of Greatness website, check it out. It's a very easy application form. And if you know someone who uh, might be able to apply and of deserving that recognition and spread that word. I yes. say that's most important. It's just uh, let's see how much money we can give out to amazing queer kids. That yes. Never- Cheers to that. That's like, that, that's going to be the name of this episode. Cheers to that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> we'll have Rihanna playing in the background. So we also um, arranged a promo code for our listeners. If anyone uh, wants to purchase anything from Outpost uh, Supply Co., which I'll also link and put in our show notes. If you just type in the word, uh, the word promo code naked at checkout, uh, you'll get 15% off your entire purchase. Thank you, listeners, for tuning in to another episode of Naked and Inside Out. You can reach us at nakedandinsideout.com. You can get all of our social media there. If you want to email us, hello at nakedandinsideout.com. Feel free to send us your comments, anything you're liking, not liking. Also, if you're loving what you're hearing, please rate us in iTunes. It's super helpful for us and helps spread the word. Until next time, everyone. Thanks so much. Bye.